Hello and welcome to Overburden, the podcast for postal workers. I'm Brandy Hughes. And I'm Kevin Hitchings. <laughs> Today we'd like to talk about the government's plan to roll out affordable childcare across the country. This was something that was uh, proposed in the 2021 budget and uh, we're still kind of seeing the various provinces working out deals with mm-hmm. the federal government to make it happen. It was proposed long before that. It's one of those things that they keep promising to do eventually and then they promise again next election or whatever. Kind of like Pharmacare, they've been promising it for 30 years and it's definitely going to get done this mandate. But until this uh, confidence and supply arrangement, nothing really ever happened on it. Right. Yeah, um, it's true. I mean, I've been hearing things about it since before I had kids and my oldest child is now eight. So <laughs> it sounded like it was a really good idea when I was paying for daycare. Yeah, it's come back in a lot of iterations, just child care cost reductions, or they had 15 day, I think was the, the last really big one. But now they're at $10 a day child care. Right. And I know that uh, there's probably some people living in Quebec who are like, Psh, that's nothing. We've been paying $7 a day for years. But um, yeah. the rest of us would like that. Yeah, there's a lot of resistance in Quebec. I think we've talked about it a couple of times before. They, A lot of the opponents thought it was going to be way too expensive and just drain the economy. But with the all the spinoffs and putting more people into the workforce, they didn't have to take care of their kids and then having more childcare workers participate in the workforce and everything, the spinoffs actually boosted the economy rather than drained it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you also see long-term effects in that um, if they're quality childcare spaces where the kids are actually getting a certain amount of education before they start school, you're going to see those benefits throughout the years as the kids get older. Which is um, something we really need in Saskatchewan because they are cutting the crap out of the education system just nonstop. Totally, Yeah. Um, and our uh, teachers are trying, but they're trying to do it with very reduced budgets. Yeah, this year they announced that they're hiring all these teachers back and teachers' aides and putting all this money into education, but they're actually just replacing all the people they laid off during COVID and actually replacing less. So it's still, still in the long run, a cut. Yeah, so, and, the, and the budgets for the school boards are still lower than they were. Yeah, so no surprise there. Yeah, um, I know it's... It's it's got to make you feel a little bit disheartened when you're sending your kids to school and you get an email from the school saying you know we're go- we're going to limit these programs or cut these programs altogether and we're not going to have TAs in the teachers assistants or educational assistants in the classroom because or they'll only be there part time because we just cannot afford to have them in, in the new budget and that's that's the reality where we are I don't know if that's the reality in other provinces but here it's it's kind of sad right so anything they can do to get education started earlier is good uh, which is one of the things they're doing at least in saskatchewan which is what we focus on mostly because that's where we are i'm assuming other provinces have uh, a lot of similar things but they are uh, introducing kind of a curriculum for licensed daycares where they say hey these are the things we want you to work on i don't obviously not gonna have tests or stuff like that but uh it's not like a real school system but they're just gonna kind of have areas that they want you to work on while you're in a licensed daycare so the goal is to, according to the plan, the goal is to reduce the cost of childcare for families by 50% by the end of this year. Um, now, I know for me, I was probably paying about, it was a lot. <laughs> I know the going rate here is $40 per day for preschool kids. And then sometimes you can get a reduction if you have more than one child in the same uh, center or or day home. But there's nothing really regulating that either. 
No, that was just kind of the going rate. Right. So, I mean, $10 a day is a quarter of what it was when I was paying for childcare. So that sounds pretty sweet to me. Mm-hmm. I know it always floored me that I felt like I was paying a second mortgage when I had two kids in daycare. Mm-hmm. So. so we have a little over a million people in the province. And a lot of those probably don't have daycares at all in remote communities. Um, so I'm not sure how many children that equates to, but the government wants to create 28,000 new childcare positions. I put new in quotes. I'm not criticizing on this. Uh, what they mean when they say that is they want to create 28,000 licensed places. So a lot of what they're doing is just taking unlicensed homes and encouraging them to uh, switch over and become licensed. Right. Which isn't a bad thing. A little more regulation, which with conservative governments are usually against, but it's, you know, with children you want to have a little bit of regulation standards there. Um, but it does allow them to lower the costs. If you're not licensed, you're either going to have to charge way more to make up the difference or just have a really hard time competing because you can't. So I think people are going to have to get licensed sooner or later if there's any competition at all in your community. Well, and I think that uh, I don't want to cut down on the unlicensed ones because I believe that there are a lot of... uh, there are a lot of people who really mean well and they really want to care for children. A lot of and, them are really good. Yeah, and they they provide really good care, but they maybe just don't want to deal with the inspections and the rules and the counting how many how many hours are here and how, when you're going to bring in extra people to help with the kids and all that stuff. Like, I get it. It's, a, it's complicated. I have friends who've run daycares and uh, in the past, and, like, there's a lot to know, and uh, it can get really... It can get really costly. Um, so I know our provincial government is offering uh, startup grants for new daycares. Uh, they're offering grants for increased costs for having like fire inspections or safety inspections. Um, and they're, they started a fund that will be ongoing for to supplement the cost of buying nutrition, nutritious food. For the kids, um, I mean, we all know most kids just want to eat mac and cheese, but we also all know that we should get them to eat some vegetables at some point. Um, the idea behind those 28,000 spaces is that it would create between 5,600 and 7,000 new jobs, like early child, childhood educator jobs. I think my big concern with that, though, is I don't think it's just about the spaces and about the licensing. I think it's where the spaces are. Because here, and probably throughout the country, if you're in a more rural setting, the options are severely limited, if there even are any. So one of the things is you have inspections come through, and I had a friend who ran a daycare, and sometimes they would come through and everything's good, and sometimes they'd come through and pick on all kinds of things, and sometimes you wouldn't even understand why they were complaining about something. So they'd always do their best to fix it regardless, but what would be really nice is if they had a union to represent them and help explain things to them. And you never know how these deals are going to change over time too. So it'd be nice to have them all represented. Well, yeah, that's a real thing. Cause I mean, they've got all these grants right now. So, okay, great. You can get this grant, you can start up your day home. And then what if the money stops Right. and you can no longer afford to run the day home and some run it like a business and some just kind of fell into it because they have to stay home with their own kids for whatever reason. Um, and may not have any clue how to really run a business. So again, it'd be really nice if they had some kind of representation. I don't know if any union is working on this yet. Um, I would suspect they're in the planning stages. I don't know if you want to push too hard right away because the SAS party or SAS government at least is really 
anti-union, you might get a lot of pushback and early regulations just to prevent things. So probably want to surprise them with it. Maybe. It's super hard getting uh, people to sign union cards, though, uh, when they're all so spread out in homes like that. I'm not even sure how you'd go about organizing that when everyone's their own separate business. You have to create a, an association first, I guess. I don't know. And well, and there, there's other things there. Would it be a would it be a union that includes the owners of the day homes as well as the workers, or would they have separate? You know, um, but I think there's some definite gains to be made if they were organized. Um, there's certain things that that these workers are going to need. They're they're going to need. Um, education to to be able to provide early childhood education they should have some training and maybe the the owners or operators might need separate training because I'm sure there's all kinds of tax stuff they need to know and regulations they need to know and the ins and outs of how to navigate that without getting into trouble or being fined or being shut down Um, I think is some governments are for this and some really weren't really for this until the public pressure came in like there's it became very clear that the voting population wanted this and was a good thing and that they wanted to work with the feds to make it happen, uh, where some of them weren't so eager right away until they kind of read the mood of the country. Um, when the focus is off, we don't know how things are going to change. Uh, you know, they'll stick to their federal minimums to get their federal money in, but we see all kinds of tactics that employers, which essentially the government is in this case, there's lots of things in social services um, situations where they get paid per child and mm. that's why they force so many people so many usually first nations children into the child care system is just to get that extra funding so i'm not saying that would happen with daycare obviously i'm just saying there's ways when all they care about is money and don't care about the people that they can manipulate things when the spotlight is off them and the spotlight's not going to be here forever so mm. i think representation is something probably not too many of them are worried about right now but it's the kind of thing you don't want to wait till it's too late to get worried about yeah and i'm sure that um as with any workplace there's probably a lot of room for disagreement maybe between the workers and the owners of the facility and so having a means to resolve those issues like such as a grievance procedure, um, yeah. or at least an oversight party that could help to uh, help to come to a fair agreement would help in resolving those issues so that everyone can continue to work in safe and positive workplaces. And because we don't want children to be in a negative workplace, yeah. that would be terrible for everyone there. It would be nicest to have the union there when you're setting up the programs in the first place. But of course, like I say, there are a hundred hundreds of small businesses, no centralized units that they could really organize. Uh, So the government's really making up all the rules on their own right now, which is the way it's been for decades. So I wouldn't think there'd be any massive changes, but again, they're going to customize everything to maximize their profits and maximize their transfers from the federal governments. Um, As far as the SAS party is going, helping the children is definitely secondary these are the guys that wanted to cancel school buses um, yeah. entirely not even change it to a pay system just cancel school buses and say tough it's the parents problem to get their kids to school in rural areas you know they got pushed back on that and changed but they definitely didn't do it because they gave a crap yeah that's well that's that's what our provincial government is known for not really caring about any of the people 
But we did give $400 million to the oil companies last year. So that's only $400 per citizen and no citizen needed that money. So that's great. Of course not. I couldn't use that to pay my water bill. Um, Yeah. Okay. So there's, I think there's other benefits though that, that these childcare workers could get from unions, most notably time, time off. A lot of, a lot of day homes have had to write into their contracts that they get time off because when they when pe- a lot when, a lot of people when they first open a daycare in their home they don't even think about it they just go well, I'm going to run a daycare and they don't plan for that and then there comes a point where they've been working nonstop weeks and weeks and weeks for years, years and years and years yeah yeah and then they go I need a break because it's stressful work. Like kids have meltdowns. Sometimes kids didn't sleep last night. Sometimes kids are still not quite feeling well or they don't want to eat the foods they're serving or whatever. I mean, I have kids. I know how that is. There's lots of days where I wish I could get a break. But um, if that's your job, you know, so I've seen a number of daycares that write that into their contract that they're going to get so many weeks off per year and that you have to find alternative care. Now, some of them do a really good job and they will bring in uh, replacement workers but those are hard to find too. So, cause I mean, who has time to take three weeks off to cover for you unless they're using their own holiday time and who wants to do that? Plus most of these are in a home. So if you're, especially if you want to travel, you're going to go away for a week and have someone come live in your home and take care of kids in it. Yeah, that's it's, what I'm saying. They do, they do yeah. it because it's the only way to make it happen. But I feel like in people working in these situations, they've got a lot of stressors. And not only that, they're exposed to all kinds of germs from the, not only from the children in the day home but those children who have older siblings who are going to school we all know that your kids go to school they yeah. t- touch other kids they're all spitting on things and sticking stuff in their mouths and they come home sick i don't blame the school it's the nature of my kids always sticking her hand in her mouth and she's gonna get sick i'm surprised temp services don't exist for this where they have nothing but you know early child care educators on standby to act as sort of substitute teachers well um, schools do but I know, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. They should have the same kind of system in daycares. And again, if there was a unionized, a union body, I'm sure that's something they would set up fairly quick so that parents wouldn't have to deal with these interruptions and uh, providers wouldn't have to be stressed about taking time they need to take care of themselves. This is making, my brain keeps trying to put it into our collective agreement. And I'm like, so we could have vacation relief. We could have sick relief. We could have terms. We could, you know, we could backfill people's absences if they take time off when they first have a baby and they want to take their mat leave. You know, (laughs) my brain is just like, this would work. Then we'd have to find a way to focus daycares on nothing but flyers, though, which is kind of difficult when you have kids to take care of. That's all the post office cares about. Little little hands folding the flyers. Yeah, sure. (laughs) We could have them do the SSD system. Yeah. They could collate in there instead of nap time. Oh my goodness. Um, not that we're promoting uh, child labor in any way. but If I don't have to collate. <laughs> you'll, you'll do just about anything to not collate? I can look the other way. I, I Yeah, okay. My kids would probably enjoy that. They'd be like, they're so colorful. Can I make an airplane out of it? But uh, yeah. So I feel like I feel like being able to negotiate for a certain number of of paid sick days to account for the the number of times where they're going to and and not just like physically sick but also mental health sick. You know, like the, we all need mental health days. Everybody has rough times. Everybody has days where they get up and they just don't want to do it. And that depending on what your job is, you might be able to go in and and fake it and half halfway do it. But when you're dealing with screaming four-year-olds, it's really hard to get through a day 
when you haven't slept or you're not feeling quite right or you're just stressed out about something else in your life. So I feel like they need to have they need to have a lot of the things that our union has gained for us through negotiation. The other thing too is that all the provinces have negotiated minimum salaries too. Otherwise, they would say, well, $10 a day daycare, but all the workers get paid 12 bucks, you know. Uh, so most provinces started okay. I know there's a lot of criticism on Ontario's. They started very low uh, wage, somewhere around $13 an hour, but the raises go up really quick, and within five years, they're going to be up to 18 which I think is the standard that the government was trying to hope for across the country was $18 an hour, which is not bad, but it's only $3 above the federal minimum they propose and uh, diapers and screaming childs I think is worth more than three dollars an hour yeah any job where you have to get poop on you I feel like you should yeah. be paid at least twenty dollars an hour <laughs> but again these contracts are going to be renewed and it's going to be hard to convince provinces to raise that minimum that's always going to be a negotiating thing the, the feds are going to say you know these are the standards we want the province is going to say well provincial labor standards are our jurisdiction and we gave you what you wanted before and we want to keep it low um, so it's going to be hard to raise those wages in future in certain jurisdictions, um, depending on the government of the day at the time. So again, having a union there to represent and make sure wages are part of the negotiations, because you want the, the workers involved in these negotiations, not government to government deciding what happens to the workers. Because we all know there's a lot of governments out there that do not respect the workers at all. Mm-hmm. And and that could even change, like one election, and that could change. You could have a new government in power, and then all of a sudden you're not being supported, or maybe you are being supported. Well, yeah, just for consistency, you could even start the negotiations with one government and be doing great, and then halfway through switch and be have everything torn apart, or vice versa. Things could be going horrible and then could get fixed. Um, either way, you want the union there to make sure that they're defending the best of whichever one you're going towards mm-hmm. or coming from. There's a lot of talk of how difficult it would be to start unionizing Amazon in Canada or Starbucks in Canada or one of these big anti-union companies. But here I think we have a prime opportunity because the governments are rather busy with the pandemic right now. They're busy setting up this program right now. I think we did a lot of the groundwork and then kind of sprung it on them. Um, It would add a new dimension to negotiations, but I think now is really a prime time to get going. Big problem, though, is some of the anti-union governments like Saskatchewan uh, might stop from, like, they're expanding as fast as they can right now because they know it's good politics. I could see them saying, well, the spotlight's off. Let's make this as slow as possible, and they'll meet their minimums again. So it's kind of a balancing act there on when you want to spring, and someone who's much more experienced in organizing can probably figure that out a lot better than I can. And theoretically, if it was nationally organized under a union and they were negotiating with the federal government, they could probably get um, a certain level of commitment to be made in in the creation of jobs or the rollout of the program. Um, Hopefully they'd negotiate some things that are a little more concrete than what we often see in in contracts. It would be super tough doing a national one right now because every province has different rules and different standards. And like I say, Ontario's final wage comes up to where everyone else is, is or should be, but they start a lot lower. So how would you balance something like that out nationally? Mm-hmm. It would be a little difficult. But you, you need someone there working on it to bring things together before the government start moving things apart and making it harder. It is a very, it is a very diverse uh, system now. Like there's, 
there's every imaginable permutation of childcare out there that you can come up with, basically. And the rules are different, at least in this province, the rules are different depending on which category of uh, facility you fall into, whether you're a daycare center or a day home or a um, or whether you're in a school or, you know, like there's all kinds of differences and the rules are different and the inspections are different and the costs are different. So I feel like maybe one of the early steps would be to standardize that and hopefully make it nationally standardized so that, because I know there's a lot of movement. Sometimes families move from one province to another and they got to relearn the rules basically mm-hmm. and figure out what's legal and what's not and whether this day home that they want to send their kids to is acceptable. Um, and really like... It's a major issue for any family. You get to the end of your parental leave, and then it's like, now what do we do with the children? Am I going back to work? Mm-hmm. Are you going to work? Who's staying home? Who's who's maybe taking a different shift or transferring to a different uh, facility so that they can be there to share the child care? And there's lots of complications, and I'm sure all the governments haven't really considered in these uh, agreements, too, that it'd be nice to have a union in there to standardize practices for. Like, some daycares will provide diapers some say bring your own diapers you know and if they're Mm going to provide them what are they doing like wrapping paper towel around the kid's butt or are they giving them good huggies or whatever or whatever most places want you to bring your own i think now because some people want cloth and some people have allergies to whatever scent or whatever and how do you manage this kind of stuff and what are the standards just for things like that i've seen some that refuse to do cloth because they're like too much work not doing it i did cloth and not as bad as you'd think i've done both i there were times when I was glad to use cloth, and there were times when I was glad to not. Yeah. And I found that, like, if I was leaving the house, I tended to go with... Yeah, disposables when you're not at home, cloth when you are. Yeah. And, yeah, cloth is not nearly as bad once you get used to it. Not as no, bad as you think. No, once yeah. you work out a system, it's actually quite doable. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's all kinds of variations that need to be managed and stuff that, uh, you know, if you're going to have federally regulated daycares, I know there's certain standards in place now, but... There's still a lot of variation, and what are you going to get for those $10, especially if all fees are set? Some places are going to say, okay, these, this is the most money I can make, or this is the standard money I can make. Since I can't raise fees or change things, how do I maximize profits? And you see that in government. If we don't want to, if we want to maximize profits and we don't want to charge more taxes or can't charge more taxes, we cut, 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 whether it's good or bad for the population. Who cares? Start cutting. This is why you need the regulations. Yeah, and this is why you need someone who's not, um, who's outside of either the bargaining parties, the daycares, or the government to make sure that things are best for the kids. We have things for, or, uh, and in this case, um, best for the workers. Yeah. Uh, because if you don't have good workers, uh, you're not taking care of the kids properly. Well, and that's that's just it. I mean, a lot of us are we've all heard horror stories of like the people who have 30 kids in their basement and they ignore them and just throw food down the stairs basically is that a problem Um, yeah it's frowned upon um but anyways uh i'll be back i gotta let my kid out and then there's other uh there's other places that are very meticulous and they they follow all the rules and they're they're like, no, I cannot take one more child today because I don't have a helper, but I can have a helper from 2 p.m. on. So if you want to bring them at 2, go for it. You know, like I've, I've talked to daycares like that who are very cautious about that. And I've even heard of some of them sharing their backup person. So they'll have like someone basically on call who mm-hmm. can come in and provide a little bit of help. Like if they have a doctor's appointment or they need to take a kid to the dentist or whatever. 
um, or they even need to like do the run to pick up kids at school. This is a, a pretty rare thing here to find a daycare that will pick up your kids at school and bring them back because you've got to be able to either transport all the kids in your vehicle safely or you have to have someone else come in to the home while you run to the school and come back. They're strict on those limits. I knew somebody who had just the maximum number of kids and then one was supposed to leave at three and a new one was supposed to come in at four but the parent never picked up that kid at three because they got stuck at work till someone like six and an inspector showed up and they got in worlds of trouble. Not their fault at all. Nothing yeah. they could really do about it. We can't throw a kid out. No, but that's the kind of thing where they did nothing wrong but got in trouble. You could really use some representation, stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, For sure. yeah, they're saying, well, you have to have a contingency plan. Well, unless your contingency plan is the next door neighbor, it still takes time for that person to get there. Right. So uh, this you know. is where the pool of relief people would be helpful, right? Well, yeah. And the thing is, well, you're over, over limit and the parent didn't show up on time. So call child services. You're going to call child services because somebody's an hour late because they got stuck at work. Like that's a little Most people don't extreme. Really do that. No. no, it's a little extreme. So that's the kind of thing where you need union representation would be awfully nice in a situation like that. Um, they didn't get anything bad happen to them, but they could have, really, from that. There was threats and whatnot. I think a report was filed or something silly thing. Yeah. Not a good situation, but, again, nothing they could do about it, really. Right, yeah. Even if they did call social services by the time they got there, the parent would have been there to pick up the kid anyway. Yeah. Most likely. I don't know how fast they react. Um... Pretty quick, I, mean, I would imagine. Well, I think I think the determination there is whether the child is in immediate danger. Yeah. So, uh, unless you're saying I'm throwing them out the door, they're yeah. in immediate danger, but, they wouldn't come immediately. But the point is, is that there's always some gray area there, or things where the the provider means to do well but doesn't do it perfectly, and as long as they're not threatening the, the child's safety in any way, uh, but they could get in trouble and be nice to have representation for something like that. Mm-hmm. And again, like, these programs are new. I don't see a lot of problems coming, but you never know where things are going. And once they start looking at ways to, you know, money coming in or out for a certain number of children is set, people will start looking for ways to cut costs. Uh, just look at any nursing home in the private sector in this country. You're hearing horror stories all over the place. Oh, and yeah. that is why the money coming in is set. So how can they cut money? You know, by not changing diapers and by cutting staff so people don't get rolled over in their bed or fed on time and all this other horrible stuff you hear about. Um, and if we keep that same kind of funding model without proper representation, that's where this could easily go to. And I know we have inspections, but there's inspections in nursing homes too. Right. Well, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of long-term costs to that neglect that comes out of that approach. Yeah. You know, like you end up, you end up with those people getting um, skin problems from not having the diapers changed or um in the case of the elderly um perhaps losing muscle mass because they don't get the exercise because they're not they're not you know taken out to to that's why we need unionization so in you know 30 years from now you know there might be a big story and everyone's outraged because the the child care workers want another 25 cents an hour or something like that but that's much better than the stories about children being neglected or dying or whatever like you hear in the nursing home sometimes now that's what we need to avoid and that's where a union can really go a long way you know and i think anybody that is going to complain about what these childcare workers are making you have to ask yourself would you do that job for that amount of money because i know i don't think there is an amount of money that would make me want to look after six children (laughs) 
I'm not, I'm not saying that there's not people out there who could, but some people are really good at it and they have so much patience. It amazes me, but I'm not one of them. So, um, yeah, it's not unskilled labor. Like some people assume. No. Well, and even just getting, even just getting six kids to eat at the same time. It's even amazing. just getting them to come in to eat at the same time. It's amazing. Like you want, like the people who are good at it, they, they've worked out a system. They have rules. The kids understand the rules and there, there's, there's. Well, different ages, trying to get one kid to nap while you're trying to get the other kid to eat while you're trying to get the yeah. other kid out to school. Totally. It's just, you're managing six schedules at once that may not align in any way. And not only that, those schedules are not always determined by you. You might have the parents saying, I want them to sleep this many hours a day, and I want this much time between the naps. Or I want them to eat this much of this every day. Yeah. And you have to try to meet those needs. Um while meeting the needs of five other kids who have completely different needs and their parents have decided something else. And those might even change from month to month. They might go, well, that didn't work, so we're trying this thing, you yeah. know, or we're working on this, or potty training is, is taking longer than anticipated, so let's try this different method, right? Um, I mean, consistency is great for kids, but sometimes you got to try new things. So The thing that's really coming out in my mind is what union is going to be able to organize these people and at first I thought there's no way that CUPW could do this but then when I think about the relief workers and and uh, the things that we have in our contract that could really be transferred over and then I think to myself well we've got decades of experience of babysitting management how much harder could four-year-olds be they're far more intelligent they're probably easier to train <laughs> They throw tantrums, but, you know, that's okay. So the supervisors, yeah. 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 And the children can't suspend you when they screw up. Yeah, that's true. So, so yeah, maybe maybe we should be getting that, uh, that new vice president on this issue <laughs> to organize the child care workers across Canada. If you want to nominate your supervisor for a timeout, please feel free to email us at overburdenpod at gmail.com and we'll see if we can make that happen.